Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's going on? Thanks for listening to another episode of the Sixer Sense podcast. On today's episode, we get into some Jared Dudley slander, the Jimmy Butler ejection, and the entire Nets organization being upset this entire series, including suspended GM Sean Marks or the referees. We later get into the Sixers bench, and we give some Mike Scott praise, as well as embracing the Sixers becoming one of the most hated teams in the league. Let's get to it. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Sixer Sense Podcast. This is your co-host, Jack Duffy. And today we have the group chat on with AJ Yetzi, Matt Burnham, and Joe DeProsperous. What's going on, boys? What's happening? What's good? How's it going, boys? Good. We're talking Sixers, and then later we'll get back into getting our analysis on all the other non-Sixer playoff series. So let's start with, let's start with some Jared Dudley slander. Where do we start? Uh, yeah, there's so, there's so many places to go with this one. You know, it was a holy weekend, so I was hopefully I was hoping that by the end of this, I could find it in my heart to forgive him on this you know very holy weekend. But I'm not gonna do that. Uh, the dude is a clown. He was really funny until he shoved Embiid. Like I thought it was hilarious with him just waving his flabby arms, trying to, like, D-up Ben Simmons, and then he just had to ruin it for everybody. Listen, I'm going to be as nice as possible. Let me start by saying this. Jared Dudley, he's been in the league for, like, 12 years, yada, yada. He's a good shooter, whatever. That being said, he looks like the Pillsbury Doughboy. Like, I understand where he's coming from. Like, he's on a young team. They haven't been there. They're, like, 22 years old. Like, they need that guy to bring it. It was like, yo, I got a problem with the Sixers. It'd be like, damn, we're in for it. But Jared Dudley? No. Yeah, like that, that tweet you shared us last night. He scoops Hagendoss with his hands. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good Freaking, one. But I think some guys in the league, the only way for him to keep his name out there and for him to be relevant is to get on the nerves of the Sixers and try to get out the best player on – Best player in the whole series, try to get him out of the game, and he tried that and it didn't really work. So he, yeah, I was like, like you guys said, I was fine. I thought it was hilarious all the stuff he's doing before trying to mock Ben Simmons and airballing that three. It was all fun and games, and then he goes up and pushes Embiid, and that was just that was too much. Yeah, I think maybe like 75% of basketball fans forgot he was in the league until a week ago. And then he gave that quote, like, if I would have done anything differently, I would have got him, like, better, or pushed, pushed him or hit him harder. Like, so you're saying, you're like, like, when he gave that quote, he should have sucker punched him worse. Like, I don't understand that. Like, he had to shove the biggest dude in the court, like, in the back when he wasn't looking. Just a punk move. Yeah, him and Marcus Smart have a lot in common. 
<laughs> a lot. No, but the, the thing that made me so mad about that whole situation is the refs basically awarded a guy for starting for nearly starting a bench clearing brawl. I mean, that, that just that just never sits right with me. It's like yeah. they felt bad for him because they knew he would stand no chance against any one of them. Like the guys on the Sixers actually look like athletes who are in shape, and Jared Dudley is just some blob with a Nets uniform on. So the refs were like, eh, we'll give him this one because we know he's totally outmatched or something like that. That's, that's kind of the impression I got. Yeah, and the only thing Jared Dudley was doing positive is he was guarding Ben Simmons the best just because he's fatter than everyone else on his team. So he's <laughs> the only guy that had the, the, the body weight to stay in front of him. But when he left, that's when the whole team went on a roll and Joel Embiid had that big fourth quarter and Ben Simmons just went into assassin mode. And that kind of flipped the game for the Sixers. He poked the bear. He poked yep. the bear. Woke up the sleeping giant. The Sixers are definitely a bear poke team. Either way you look at it. <laughs> they get up like they get up emotionally with that kind of stuff. Oh, do we forget? Average Ben Simmons. Average triple double. Average series. Average, average Yeah. He's just He's really just average. Yeah. The A in my name stands for average. <laughs> yeah, average all star. Average, average team. Thirty one and nine. Just everything's just so average. He's the most average player I've ever seen. I just wish that when the Sixers drafted him, they would have realized how average he was at that average time. It irked me a little bit, too, that whole quote, because, I mean, it's kind of true. But um, it just it, it was just such a dumb quote. Yeah, and it's coming from Jared Dudley, too. It's irrelevant. Like, he's a nobody, like Envy said, and it's... What, he's averaging five points per game for his career, I think, maybe. Might be a little bit higher than that, but... I mean, he's averaging 17, 9, and 8, if you round it up. And and also, if you're going to say something about a guy, at least back it up. Don't just go out there the next night and put up, you know, 0, 0, 0, 0, and what, one board and one personal foul? And one air ball. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys watch Colin Cowherd's show? No. I do sometimes. So... Uh, he did this some... segment. He did this segment like last week or the week before. It was like name this. It was like he got a list of names and he had to guess whether it was a Game of Thrones character or an NBA player. Jared Dudley belongs in that type of game. Guess whether this guy is a basketball <laughs> player or a character from a TV show. That's how irrelevant he is. Yeah, a lot of people don't like. My brother, he's 15. He texts me and goes, "Who's Jared Dudley?" <laughs> and I was like, uh. He's been in the league for like 10 years. He's just a role player, a stat-friendly role player like Zach Lowe says. Seriously, is he a top 300 player right now? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just know he's like a 72 overall in 2K. There's so. no way. There's yeah. no way. No. I mean, if we're doing a three-point shootout, maybe I'd give him a little more attention. But, you know, aside from that, I don't know what his purpose is. Besides, he's one of the yeah. least-looking basketball players that plays basketball. Like, Did if you, you would show me that guy, I'd tell you, <laughs> like, he's like – like the eighth string stand-up linebacker for the Raiders. Like he just doesn't seem like an actual basketball player that like moving fast is part of his living. Like I, there's no way. Even oh, Minnesota think, yeah. Kevin Love looks more athletic than he does. I feel like I can beat Jared Dudley in an arm wrestling match. He looks like a guy, uh, like a guy at a bar that you see throwing darts with like a flannel <laughs> on. Do you guys see that? There's also this tweet last week, and it was a picture of Jared Dudley. And then it was a picture of Tim Duncan and Tony Parker, and he was like a mix of both of those guys. You can't really get that out of my head. Let's see. Yeah, that's the that's every time I look at him, that's what I see. That and the Hagen Doss. 
he skips hobbynoss with his hands. <laughs> and Elmer Fudd. Yeah, and it's like all good. The, the thing is, like, he tried to be this tough guy, and then, like, the internet just dunked on him real fast. Like, he oh, tried... no mercy. Uh, man, the abuse that he's going Brown. to suffer tomorrow night. If he shoots free throws, I'm going to lose it, because that crowd is going to be relentless. It's going to be elite. Like Especially after that poster that uh, someone posted before the game on Thursday night it was. It was, like, missing Ben Simmons' jumper or whatever it was, like. You know, that, like like you guys said, that's really how you poke a bear. Like I, I just don't get what purpose that has. Yeah, Ben Simmons has been this. Uh, he's been killing it in the postseason. He's averaging what this series? He's averaging eighteen, eight and seven with one and a half steals, one and a half blocks. Seems like an all star to me. Seems average to me, honestly. <laughs> Very average. Everybody. Very average all star. Pedestrian. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's get into the Jimmy Butler ejection. So my personal opinion on it is Jared Dudley comes out of nowhere and shoves Embiid and wasn't as good as Marcus Smart's shove, but he shoves him out of nowhere. And then Jimmy Butler comes up and he, he initially shoves him. But after that, Jimmy just goes up to him and prevents Dudley from going anywhere until D'Lo comes in and pushes everybody into the stance. But I think for Dudley running out of nowhere and pushing Embiid, I think he should have gotten ejected. He honestly didn't even need to be ejected. Him and Jimmy Butler both, I could have seen both of them just getting texts, but I I didn't see the ejection for Jimmy for sure, and then Dudley could have honestly not even gotten an ejection either. And also, Embiid's block could have not even been called a foul. So for Sean Marks going and getting all butthurt about that is annoying too. That, that, that flagrant should have gotten rescinded. It, it, I mean, Joel can't help the fact that he's a very large and very strong human being, and and Jared Allen just isn't. It was uh, it, it was ridiculous. That whole situation was just it was a train wreck. Jared Dudley, I think, shoved him because it looked like Embiid was standing over him after it looked like he clocked him when. It... Yeah, but I just think Jared Dudley just got really bent out of shape because Embiid got so much ball. He thought the ball went off Jared Allen, and he was kind of. St- Pointing at him, standing over him. I mean, I just think it was so much to do about nothing. It was unbelievable. Like, I mean, Dudley's never been the guy to try and start stuff, but I mean, I just thought it was so extra. Yeah, that's that's what MB was saying. He said he was arguing with the ref about he thought the ball went off Allen, and that's what he was turned over and looking at the ref for. He wasn't standing over Allen like he said. He was Dudley was across the court, and his he didn't see things like the cameras did. And so, like, from our point of view, it seemed like it was way too extra. And then and then also what was really funny is people thought that – I remember Reggie Miller was saying that Ben Simmons should have gotten a tech because he pushed Jared Dudley into the stands. But Ben got pushed because D'Lo went into that big pile, and he was the one that pushed everyone. He wasn't trying to push people over, but he went in there and tried to separate everything, and he's the guy that pushed everyone into the stands behind on the baseline. So yeah, it, looked like, it looked like Dudley was tackling Ben, too. Yeah, you, it did. When they did the aerial view of it. Did anybody see the clip of Kenny Atkinson trying to walk him off the court? And he, like you can see his mouth, like l- read his lips, like "Dude, we need you." And then like he put his arm around Dudley, and Dudley just slapped his arm away. Yeah, I did see that. Like he was he was super mad at Kenny. That was funny. <laughs> Kenny was super mad at him. I yeah. would be. Kenny's been mad this whole series. All his facial expressions are like, I just feel like there's so much trauma going on on in his mind, the way he's, his face looks every time the camera points to him. I think AJ said this in the notes. Uh, Sean Marks and the whole Nets organization is soft. Yeah, yeah I, t- I tweeted out that they were sharp and soft. 
it, like think, the thing that gets me is like nobody's complaining about like I, I don't know their all star disappearing or like them not playing good enough defense or like this shot not falling. No, it's just the ref. What's crazy is I was listening to Brian Windhorst and on the Hoop Collective podcast, and he said that outside of the rest locker rooms, they have the most security out of anybody. So I'm like confused on how Sean Marks got in there or got over there without getting stopped by security. And one of the things he's arguing about was the Embiid's foul, and that could have just easily been, like I said earlier, could have been a non-foul call. So it's just the Nets are big mad for no reason, and they're a six seed, and they think they're a lot more than they actually are. And it was really the six seed by default. I mean, weren't they forty-two and forty? Yeah. I mean, when when the conference is top-heavy and every other team's you know mediocre or should I say average, then I mean. Being sixty isn't really much to be happy about. Yeah, they're just they're just mad. I mean, welcome to the playoffs, bud. That's all you can say to that kind of stuff. I mean, they just they're they're a young team, their first experience in the playoffs, and uh, they're learning. They got full learning the hard way. I did like the last game that Kenny Atkinson finally put Karis LeVert in the starting lineup. He put Karis and Dudley in the starting lineup and took out uh, Karuks and Damari Carroll, which I thought was a really smart move because LeVert's been the best player on the Nets this whole series, I yeah, think. He, he gets to his spots whenever he wants. He puts all the all the defenders on skates, and it just seemed like he was taking the game over Saturday afternoon for a little while. And it's crazy to me because, like, that injury he had earlier in the year, I must have got it misunderstood because I thought this dude had like a Gordon Hayward type injury. But then I see a couple months later, I'm like, oh, he's back on the court. I thought his egg, his leg was basically just amputated. Yeah, he had, it was crazy. His ankle and his like leg was at a 90 degree angle and he had no ligament damage, which is insane. Yeah. So I'm, it's impressive how fast he came back. I was like an all-star for that injury. Again. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about Tobias Harris. So he had the first game, what he <laughs> went two of seven from the field with five points. Since that point, I mean, for the series overall, he's averaging 19 points a game. And he's been the most consistent sixer, I think, since game one. He's really rising to the occasion, huh? He's been he's so good in the clock, too. Like, he's been able to create so many good looks running off screens from Boban. Like, him and Jimmy have been awesome late in the clock, just trying to get a quality shot off, which barely anyone on the Sixers can do sometimes. He's a mismatch for so many defenders. He's underratedly strong. So the Sixers, they used to pick and roll the second least in the NBA. And in the second quarter of Saturday's game, they used the in the second quarter, they used the pick and roll with Jimmy and Tobias almost that entire quarter and got a lot of them a lot of looks, which is unlike what the Sixers have done for the majority of this year. But it worked out a lot against the Nets. It's just good to see Tobias get involved, too, because there were so, there were so many times when he came over here that he just looked like he was just kind of drifting and they just weren't they weren't getting him involved at all. But. Yeah, it's just good to see him rise to the occasion. He's looking like the player he was when he was in L.A., you know, the guy that most people thought was an all-star snub or at least on that level. And it's nice to see him finally uh, get back to that spot. I just think, like, for a while he had a tough time figuring out exactly what his role was with the Sixers because he's going from being a one, uh, the, the, non, the number one option to, on the Clippers to the three or four option, depending on the night with the Sixers. But, uh, you know, it's just... I just think he's smoothed himself in. He's finally out of that shooting slump, too. And he might be, like, the third or fourth option, but, like, in that starting five, there's a lot of nights when he'll get the least amount of touches out of all those guys. Like, he's just in a weird spot on that offense sometimes because so much of it is just built off of Jimmy Butler, or, like, Butler ISO plays, Embiid, 
post-ups, and then J.J. Reddick's the focal point of nearly every offensive set. So Tobias can just get in really weird places on the offense sometimes, and it's really hard for him to get good looks out of it. He's like almost a, been in like a Dario-type role since he's been traded, since the, the whole shooting slum. He's just been a spot-up shooter in the corner and kind of just run around the perimeter. So it was good the last few games that Brett's gotten been like very sincere in getting him sets run for Tobias. And it showed in like his productivity the last few games. It's pretty awesome because I can make the argument that for all four games this series, the best sixer on the floor was a different guy each night. So I love to see it, though. That is true. What do you think? Jimmy game one, Ben game two, Tobias three, and then MB four? Yeah, something like yeah. that. Well, I mean, Ben, uh, JJ, and um, Toby had a great – they both had great they all had great game threes really yeah and it's yeah. like just because one guy had the best game doesn't mean the other guys didn't have great games themselves it's really just been an awesome collective effort yeah it really has and they need to play like this if they want to have any shot in the next round against raptors because there's obviously no bench help because mike scott will either go one of eight or go five of eight same thing with Bobon, he might not he might be on the floor for three minutes or 15 minutes so it's just the starting lineup has they all need to score at least 15 a game yeah, maybe Kyle Lowry will shoot eight. Will sh- shoot over seven again in game one. Speaking of Mike Scott, let's uh assemble the Mike Scott hive. Yeah. Oh man, that was a big day for the Mike Scott hive. <laughs> it's always a big day. For it was buzzing. It was swarming. That shot was, man. I was that that game. The the roller coaster of emotions that I went through from being so mad that when Jimmy got ejected and then them having that like. 12 point deficit and then coming having that 13 to two run at the end of the like with five minutes left in the fourth and then when he hit that three at the end i was running around my mom's house in circles just freaking out <laughs> i was watching that with my dad and whenever we watch games together you have to shut every door every window because the things that come out of our mouths during games they're just they're not made for anything really unspeakable things very uh oh my god you don't even know you don't even know the start of it <laughs> Okay, I know this is a terrible comparison to make, and obviously it wasn't of the same like magnitude, but the way that play just happened, it reminded me of Ray <laughs> Allen's shot in the 2013 finals. Where it, oh, yeah. I know, don't get me wrong, it was nowhere near the same level of like intensity or anything like that, or the, you know, the same level of a drama, but it was just what I was thinking about when that play was developing. I was thinking Ray Allen 2013. It was a great play by Joel, too. Yeah, yeah that's just not drawn up from Mike Scott. Oh, heck no. He just, I bet Brett told him, hey, sit in the corner and then follow us, fills, catch the ball and throw it up. Well, yeah, he's got the length and the, the height to really get over a lot of guys. But I, it wasn't really that contested. It, I think it, he was just, it, that was a lucky play, honestly. Yeah, I was broken for sure. Hey, it's a make or miss league. It is a make or miss league. If you missed that shot, we'd all be talking about, like, what the hell the Sixers just did. Yeah, uh, but, um,. Who do you guys think yelled, I ain't no bitch, in the locker room? So this is my my opinion. I think it was either TJ mocking Mike Scott or is actually Mike Scott. No, There's no audio of it, but this are my guesses. My theory, I, th- I think it was a wild card. I think I think it was definitely Furcon that said it because he wants to keep he wants to fit in <laughs> and he wants to he wants to feel a part of the team. So it was definitely Furcon. I think it was Brett Brown. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Brett Brown has the most identifiable voice. In that entire organization, I think everybody would know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't Joel either because they would have been able to hear that outside the doors. Did y'all see Furkin's uh, outfit before the game on Saturday? He had like that gold, like one piece thing. It was looking pretty fly. 
I didn't realize he had so much drip. Yeah, Furkan's got a lot more swag than I gave him credit for. I guess him not playing for eight weeks was giving him time to focus on his fashion. <laughs> he had to take his uh, attention ventures elsewhere for a while. You have to keep yeah. yourself happy, you know, some way if you're not going to play. <laughs> got to find some kind of purpose. Let's go to, to some, uh, let's go to that Chris Sheridan report. He's a nobody. He's the Jared Dudley of NBA reporters. <laughs> That's perfect. My favorite line of that was, what did he say? He said that Ben Simmons was a regular season player that annually was exposed in the playoffs, <clears throat> thinking that Ben Simmons, his first year in the NBA was last year. So it's kind of odd wording. And then uh, that just that article just was complete BS, like most of Chris Sheridan stuff is. I didn't read the article. That's how much I care about it. That, and once I saw that Sheridan wrote it, I I didn't even think about clicking on it. I only heard about it when Skip and Shannon were talking about it on Undisputed. If the main point of your article is Brett Brown not having a locker room, it's automatically wrong. If there's one thing you can give that man credit for, it's always having the locker room and keeping those guys competitive and together. Yeah, and him saying that he brought in Bruce Bowen to tell the team about uh, Spurs culture and then NBA got in balance face and they had to get separated. That's just. Yeah, I heard that meeting was weird. Yeah, apparently, like, he went, like, really did go out of his way to, like, jump on NBA. Which one of you guys is the one that wrote, are Chris Sheridan and Jared Dudley the same person? That was me. Dude, that, that made me laugh, like, two minutes when I first read that. <laughs> That's why I said it, dude. He is the Jared Dudley reporter. Yeah, Jared Dudley's burner journalism account is Chris Sheridan. <laughs> Do they both they're eat hockey dogs with their hands? They're, they're burners <laughs> for each other. If Chris Sheridan was a basketball player, he'd be Dudley. And if Dudley was a writer, he'd be Sheridan. Two plus two equals four. I mean, it's just so obvious. What about AJ? Can you give us a little bit of info on your celebrity <laughs> status of the Sixers? Oh, yeah. So Kendall Jenner got bumped up to three. But there's room or three on my list of Sixers celebrity fans. But since then, there's rumors her and Ben Simmons broke up, which have been unfounded. I mean, TMZ didn't say anything yet. So hopefully... They're still together. I mean, I couldn't care less if they were together, but Kendall was very close to becoming one of us. Like, we needed her full transition into just, like, Wawa eating, Rita's water ice drinking. Like, we we just needed full-blown South Philly Kendall for this whole thing to work, honestly. Yeah, and she was. I saw that one thing on her story one night, and she was watching a Sixers game when she wasn't even in town. So she's starting to get dedicated to the team. I started to like her again. And she had a personalized jersey. I mean, come on. Hey, if Team Z hasn't reported it yet, then it didn't happen. Yeah. True. Like, we just need her sitting courtside tomorrow night giving Dudley the double bird. Oh, it'll be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. So, I don't know if you guys, well, all you guys saw this, but DeMar DeRozan threw a ball at a ref on Saturday, and he also missed, just like Mike Scott missed throwing at Eric Bledsoe. So, if there was a dodgeball game, who do you think would win, DeMar or Mike Scott? Mike Scott. Anything in life, I'm taking Mike Scott. Mike Scott would throw the ball right through DeMar DeRozan's soul. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm taking Mike Scott in everything in life, honestly. I'm the same. I think DeMar would win in the actual dodgeball sense, but then, like, he would hit Mike, and then Mike would just be like, oh, hell no. And then he I'd, I'd give Mike a jack with no ice beforehand, and he'd just be extra aggressive and just probably just run through and tackle DeMar. There wouldn't even be a ball thrown, and he'd win. Yeah, he would win, but lose, but still win. 
Because <laughs> exactly. Mike Scott just wins every, wins at everything in life, honestly. Yeah, if he resigns this summer, well, obviously I'll be happiest if Jimmy resigns, just because I have a weird, profound love for Jimmy Butler. Um, <laughs> but if Mike Scott does, I'll probably do some some dances around my house and definitely order a jersey. If, if the Sixers somehow get to the finals and Mike Scott hits a, a game winner at any point during the series, I will get an emoji tattoo just like his. Oh, I'm getting the uh, the Ben Simmons one right on my shoulder. If Mike Scott does that in the finals, then I say we put a statue of him right next to the Rocky one. Oh, take down Rocky and put Mike Scott up. <laughs> and it'll be Mike Scott doing the throat slash. <laughs> no, With a bottle of jacket in his left hand. No, it's got to be Mike Scott sipping the gym. <laughs> there could be if a collage of Mike Scott statues. If any Philadelphia athlete ever needs to like know how to endear yourself to the city, Mike Scott's writing the book. Honest to God. He is He's, one of us. Yeah. All right, let's get on to... Oh, yeah, thoughts on the Sixers bench. I'm happy. I love TJ McConnell. TJ, I love you. But I'm so happy that he's out of the rotation just because he had so many just meaningless minutes and on defense. I mean, he's fine if he's out there for three minutes, but he, he's not fast enough to guard small guys, and he's not strong enough to defend the bigger guard. So him being out there. And then from an offensive standpoint, he doesn't really give much. Yeah, I'm with you. But um, in regards to Boban, yeah, like like we all said, he does look like he walks on stilts when he plays defense. He cannot defend his face at all. But I've always been so impressed by his touch for his size. You know, when they kept when they kept you know uh, sagging off of him, and he would just hit those fifteen footers. It looks like he's shooting a Nerf basketball, but yet he still has the touch to to drain him almost every single time. I'm so impressed by that. My ideas about the Sixers bench is just like. You know, we were just talking about Mike Scott. When Mike Scott is on, he's hitting shots. He's playing well, playing some good defense. It seems like the Sixers, the rest of the Sixers bench does better. It's like he's a spark plug off the bench, and it kind of also um, like compensates or masquerades for the uh, you know the rest of the guys who seem to be playing at more inadequate levels. But when Mike Scott is not on and he's cold, and it's just like you almost want to cringe sometime when these second unit guys come onto the floor. I think you could say the same thing about uh, James Ennis. I feel like he's a really good barometer for the bench because when, like when he's grabbing those offensive boards, really getting into it on defense, hitting a three here and there. I mean, just the level of the team can go up by a lot. Like he can really get after it. Did you see Theo Pinson right behind him on the bench? I mean, did did Theo Pinson even get in the game? No, he was a two-way player, and then they extended him at the end of the year. I still thought it was hilarious, though. I can't oh, it was, yeah. Yeah, James Ennis, like you said, he's a big brommer for the bench. When he's hitting those corner threes that he gets a lot of times because defenses tend to sag off of him, when he's hitting those, that's huge. Because <laughs> his defense is always going to be above average, which is saying a lot for the Sixers bench because they can't don't have much of anything, honestly. Bottom five in the league. so when, And then Dyer is not going to ever dress out because they only, they only have 12 guys, so... No, um, but I, I, I so wish he would suit up because I really feel like he would still have a role even though he played in, what, seven games in the regular season? I, I, I still think he, he could he could hold his own. I would suit him up over Furkan or even Amir. And then Furkan just – Brett's never trusted Furkan on defense. The, even when he was healthy this year, playing time was not consistent ever just because of his defense. He'd get destroyed by a lot of guys. I really thought it was his time after he dropped 42 in the summer league. That was insane. 
<laughs> I really thought it was his time. AJ added, if you could add one process sixer to the playoff rotation, who would it be? I would say they could use a little Hollis Thompson off the bench. Corner threes, not get killed on defense like some of the guys in the team. I would say Hollis or Okafor. I'm kind of running on the Okafor train for this one. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no. Honestly, I was. I think Tony Roten would be a good option at backup point guard. No shooting, but he'd be good. Some 40-foot Isaiah Cannon threes would be nice sometimes, but there's no defense with that. Or even Henry Sims, I think, is a better option than some guys we have on our bench. But for meaningful minutes. But Andre Kralenko, too. AK-47, AK-47 baby. AK-47 on the bench, yeah. <laughs> Alexis Chavet wasn't that bad either. Yeah, if Jakar plays like he did in that 29-point game, give me him any any day of the week. I think, Matt, you just had an article about it this morning. The Sixers becoming one of the most hated teams in the league. You want to expand on that a little bit? Yeah, well, um, my article was just me, like, questioning why people hate the Sixers. Because it's because, like, so here's my idea with it. People seem to hate Joel Embiid because he's very overt with how confident he is about his play. He's, like, he just comes out and says, yes, I'm the most dominant player in the league. No one can guard me. You know, to paraphrase what he's saying, and people just can't take that. They get, he gets so much vitriol for that. People, people are like, "Oh my God, he's such a cocky, arrogant player. I hate him." Yada yada. yada. But then when Giannis Antetokounmpo does the same thing, they just praise him for it. And so it's like these people, these fanboys, they just pick and choose who they want to root for and who they want to root against, even though when they're doing the same type of things. Like, I love it. I would so much rather have my players come out and be so confident with how they're playing. I'd love, I'd love for them all to come out uh, like Embiid and have, you know, the confidence, the charisma. You know, LeBron did it. Kobe did it. Shaq did it. MJ did it. Giannis, Scott. I mean, I just don't understand why people hate him. And then with Ben Simmons, too, for that, I think it's, more of just like the social media thing you know you'd call him a coward for not shooting three you'll get a couple likes in your tweet but other than that I mean I don't see any reason to hate him he just seems like a he seems like a good guy a very quiet guy you know you know what I mean like I don't really understand the only guy that I can sort of see a case for is Jimmy Butler because of the situation that happened in Minnesota but even then I think the media blew that out of proportion I think he just saw that he was full of he was on in a team full of guys who had no fire, no passion. He was just calling them out and couldn't stand it anymore. Now, granted, he didn't handle that situation handle that situation well at all, but I don't think Jimmy Butler's this drama queen who just feeds off conflicts with coaches and teammates. So I, I really don't understand it. And you usually see this type of hate with teams who have like one thing. It's like you see people throw this type of hate at the Golden State Warriors or LeBron James, guys who have been at the top repeatedly over the last few years. So, but I don't really understand it for a team that hasn't accomplished anything yet. You know what I mean? I can't tell you how many times people have asked me, how do you like Jimmy Butler? And I just, I, I'm like, I just like him. <laughs> I mean, he, he's the man. I mean, how can you not love a guy that's intense like that and, and is always pushing his teammates to play the best that they can? He holds them to a standard. There's nothing wrong with holding guys to a standard. He's a he's a dog. He's got that dog in him. Uh, obviously, I don't need to go into the backstory about his life growing up and all that. But from where he came from to get to where he is now, I mean, he 
He was not supposed to be here. He was not supposed to be an all-star. He was not supposed to be one of the more coveted uh, trade assets in recent years, one of the more coveted soon-to-be free agents. He's not supposed to be here. So he's, he's been defying odds at every step. And it's because of that drive, that fire that he has in his belly, his work ethic, his determination, his... It's almost like delusional in a way, but in a good way. I know that kind of sounds crazy, but it's like his way of thinking that whatever is supposed to happen, he will overcome it no matter what. It's that way of thinking that got him to where he is now. That dude has had to earn every single thing he has earned in this league. And when he sees guys like like in Minnesota who don't have that same passion as him, he, it, it gets him mad. And it's understandable. I mean, like you said, he didn't handle it the right way, but he he's just a very intense individual, and it turns people off sometimes. This is the last point I'll make about that, just because I've been ranting about it for a few minutes now. So in Minnesota, you have Andrew Wiggins. He was, at that time, the consensus number one pick in the draft by any of the analysts or whatever going into the draft. The next LeBron. This, yeah, he was this crazy, hyped athlete. Maple Jordan. Sure People were calling him Canadian Jordan or whatever it was. So he was the easy number one pick. So I'm sure that growing up, he was the best player on every court he's ever stepped on. And he's been like the the star in every scene he's been on. And it's similar with Carl Anthony Towns. He was the consensus number one pick coming from Kentucky, which is known to produce these crazy high profile athletes in the NBA. I mean, you can make a an all-NBA team alone just from Kentucky players. So him, easy number one pick, probably been the best player in every court he's ever stepped on. And But that's not the same, that's not the case for Jimmy Butler. He's had to work, he's had to grind, he's had to come up from literally the bottom. Yeah, and that five-on-five five he had with the third stringers, after that he was automatically my favorite non-sixer in the NBA. <clears throat> I just he love could him. probably play with Chipotle employees and still win. <laughs> after game one, that's what... Those memes were hilarious. Oh yeah, those memes. Oh yeah, they were hilarious. No one likes this team. We don't care. I love being the underdog. I love being pe- things people hate. So I'm not out there on the court or anything. But I like all my friends are like, dude, there's a bunch of thugs on the Sixers. And I'm like, all right, watch basketball games. It's not. They're not thugs. They weren't initiating anything in this entire series. I mean, they just go out there and play hard. And Ben Simmons is. He doesn't really talk when he plays. I mean, he'll do his little, he'll scream after he dunks or something like that, but he's not like out there talking trash like Draymond Green or Patrick Beverly, anybody like that. He just goes out there and plays in the same way Jimmy Butler is too. I hate some of the the vitriol that fans give towards Ben Simmons. Like, you guys are aware that Ben Simmons is only like a few months older than us, right? Like, oh, yeah. And he's younger many, than me. How many of you guys would say that uh, you've reached your full potential? Like, you're not still. Um, working on your craft and your skills and you're not how many of you guys would say that you're nowhere close to where you want to be and where you're working to be it's the same thing with Ben Simmons people act like this dude just doesn't care and he doesn't work and because he is what he is now he has no drive to get better and that doesn't make any sense to me honestly man I think people just want to hate Philly because that's just what you do that's that's what I think it all comes down to yeah, I mean, if you look you look at Russell Westbrook, just for example, his second year, the same age as Ben Simmons was, he averaged 16, 8, and 5. And Ben Simmons is out here with 17, 9, and 8 in his second year. And everyone's just saying, oh, he doesn't have a jump shot. It's like, all right, well, look what he's doing to the Nets. He's put on a show every night. Yeah, and it's like I hear what people say about Tatum and Donovan Mitchell and all these other guys. They're, like, praising them for what they're doing 
as a second year player like they're adding that like the asterisk to it they're adding that uh the caveat to it like it's good it's great for a second year player but whereas Ben Simmons his standard is just the rest of the NBA stars so that that tells me that Ben Simmons is on a different level than these other guys yeah, they put him on a pedestal, and that yeah, like you said, it just shows how talented he is. He's put on a different level than I mean, Donovan Mitchell. I'd say he's kind of up there with Ben Simmons, but even no one's talking about Tatum like they talk about Ben Simmons. No one's talking about no one even talks about Donovan Mitchell as much as people talk about Ben Simmons. And yeah. if you looked at the the rookie voting last year, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I think it was ninety percent of people voted for Ben Simmons as rookie of the year, and that just shows how dominant he is, even without a jump shot. So. Ben Simmons is also an incredible defender. Like, he is so close to being an all-NBA defensive player. Uh, The trap he threw on Jared Allen at the end of that game on Saturday, like, his ability to cover ground, make reads, just put his body in front of somebody, it's incredible for somebody that size and that young. I also don't think we give his his durability enough credit, too. He's played, what, 80-plus games his first two years? I mean, it's his first two years, but... I don't think people talk about that enough. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's he's so serviceable that it's unbelievable. Yeah, he's missed three total games in his first two years. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sixer Sense podcast. Go ahead and go listen to part two of this episode where we give our analysis of all the other non-Sixer playoff series. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.